Meanwhile in the Future. Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast where I take you on crazy field trips into the future and then transport you back to safety so you can learn more about the future that I just dragged you into. Every episode we start with a fun audio romp before retreating back to safety, so let's do that now. This week we're going to start in the year 2052. Construction has begun on a set of giant wind turbines on the Antarctic Peninsula, but these probably aren't the kind of turbines you're imagining. The company, Viutech, has developed wind turbines that are airborne, floating in the atmosphere while they harvest energy from the wind. The company plans to get their turbines off the ground next spring. Veutech, the company behind Antarctica's new airborne wind turbines, will launch their set of experimental wind harvesters next week. Representatives from Veutech have refused to disclose any details about their technology, how the energy they harvest will be deployed, or how they plan to deploy the turbines, drawing suspicion from environmental groups. Last week's Veutech launch has sparked controversy as the company had put up far more turbines than it had originally outlined. Scientists are concerned that the company will extract too much wind from the atmosphere and impact weather patterns. So far, no clear climate impacts have been reported, but we'll be following the story as it develops. The IPCC has released an official statement on the Viatech turbines, stating that the devices are directly impacting the weather patterns of the planet. The report comes after an emergency meeting called in the days following the launch of the turbines. Today, Chairman Sruthi Okafor said in a statement that the Commission was clear and unanimous in their conclusion that the turbines were to blame for the altered climate, and suggested the devices be removed immediately. A representative from Biotech declined to comment on the statement. So, a company has put up so many wind turbines that they've actually changed the climate on Earth. I know this sounds totally crazy, but I swear to you that this is something that scientists have actually looked into. So naturally, I talked to one of those scientists. So I'm Kate Marvel. Um, I'm an associate research scientist at NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies and Columbia's Department of Applied Physics and Applied Math. Marvel and her team use climate models to look at just how much energy we would have to take out of the atmosphere before we'd start having problems. The good news is that it's a lot of energy. So um, we found, you know, and, you know, again, these are, these are rough estimates, but we found about 1,800 terawatts is the power. So that's, that's kind of, that's a rate. That's energy per time. So 1,800 terawatts. And for reference, the total global power consumption, you know, if you take electricity and transportation and blah, 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 everything across the entire globe, that's about 18 terawatts. So it's about 100 times more than entire global power consumption right now. In order to get that amount of energy, we're not talking about land-based pinwheel turbines. No, 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 no. We're talking about turbines that go up into the atmosphere to harness the winds up there. Most, like, wind turbines that you'd recognize are, you know, on the Earth's surface because that's where it's easy to put them. Um, But um, winds kind of higher up are more reliable. They're kind of steadier, they're faster, um, and particularly the jet stream. Like, you know, if you've taken a plane any like great distance like the jet stream is fairly reliable like it's basically always there and there's kind of good reasons to expect that winds there would be you know pretty reliable and so there's been kind of a push lately to say like well 
you know, like if we put wind turbines on the Earth's surface, we have to deal with sometimes it's windy, sometimes it's not, and we have these intermittency issues and it's not so reliable. So what if we just stick a bunch of flying turbines in the jet stream? And that's kind of crazy, but, um, you know, like crazy ideas sometimes work. And this is a real thing that real companies are working on. So some of them, you know, so I, I should say I'm not an engineer. Like I'm completely like in the theoretical domain. So like anything that actually like works in the real world is kind of confusing to me. But it's, um, you know, some of them are like kind of kites. And so they're like tethered to the ground by a cable, which also kind of works as, you know, to get the power from up high to down low where we use it. Um, but there's there's all these different prototype designs. So there's a company called Makani Power, which I think is still in business. Um, Makani Power is indeed still in business. In fact, in 2013, they were acquired by a company that you might have heard of. Do you want to guess? It's Google. You know, and they kind of look like these like big like inflatable life rafts. Um, and then there's some other companies, like there's some that came out of MIT. Um, so there's there's a whole bunch of different prototype designs right now. Since the amount of energy that we'd need to take from the winds before causing problems is really, really high, nobody should stop anyone from trying this. Yeah, I mean, the threshold is basically in crazy town. You know, the threshold is hundreds or, you know, tens or hundreds of times more than total global power demand. So I think from a practical standpoint, the takeaway is go for it. You know, put a bunch of turbines in the jet stream, do what you need to do, and on a global scale, that's not going to have any effect. But since this podcast is all about crazy hypotheticals, let's talk about what would happen if we did take 1,800 terawatts out of the atmosphere. In order to understand what would happen next, we have to understand how the winds work normally. So the kind of really fascinating thing about our atmosphere is it's this, it's basically a heat engine. So you've got the fact that, you know, the equator is a lot warmer than the poles um, because, you know, you go to the tropics, it's warm. If you go to the Arctic, it's cold. And um, we know that hot air rises and cold air sinks, right? And so basically what is creating the jet stream is the fact that hot air at the equator is rising. And as it rises, it moves toward the poles. So it rises and then aloft, it's kind of moving toward the North and the South Pole. And um, eventually it's forced to come back down and when it comes back down, you get these kind of high pressure regions. And that's where the jet streams come from, basically. So the jet streams are created, like that kinetic energy in the jet stream is created. It's driven by the kind of temperature differential between the equator and the poles. So that's kind of like why there is a jet stream. And the fact that the Earth is rotating actually complicates things. So if the Earth wasn't rotating, that air could get all the way to the pole before it cools and sinks. But because the Earth is rotating, there's kind of like some complicated physics that comes in. And it, the rotation of the Earth basically forces that air to sink at kind of the subtropics. And so basically... In the mid-latitudes where, where most of us live, the vast majority of like our weather, of the fact that we have you know, variations in wind speed, we have variations in precipitation and blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of that is due to the fact that um, where we live, most of the transport from the subtropics to the poles is done by what's called baroclinic eddies, which are basically just kind of like swirls and whirls. So hot air rises, the earth spins, and the hot air sinks again. This is what makes the jet streams. But if we pull out a ton of that energy, we interrupt that process. 
What we found is that if you put a bunch of wind turbines in the atmosphere, you basically change the effective composition of the atmosphere. So you're basically changing the way that that atmospheric heat engine is operating. And, and basically, if you crank that up too much, you change the Earth's atmosphere such that you basically get rid of that weather in the mid-latitudes. So the air can go all the way to the pole before it cools and sinks. And you completely change the kind of way that the atmospheric heat engine works. What that means is that the high and low pressure systems that create the changes in weather that many people experience every day would simply go away. Um, it, does, it doesn't necessarily mean no rain, but it means little, the variations that we're used to aren't happening. You know, so some days, you know, in New York, like you go out and sometimes it's raining and sometimes it's not. And sometimes you get these massive storms that are coming in. And basically the atmospheric conditions that create those, those massive storms um, don't exist anymore. You've taken them away. Now, the chances of an evil mastermind putting a ton of turbines into the atmosphere and sucking out all of our wind are not very high. I should, I should probably stress that climate change in, in terms of, you know, greenhouse, we squirt greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, they make it hotter. That is, that's real and that's happening and that's so much more important than hypothetically, like, what if we put like a bajillion turbines in the atmosphere? So there's really no good reason to worry about this scenario, but there is a good reason to celebrate an unsung hero, the climate model. A lot of people think that climate models are just kind of like the world's most depressing magic eight balls that, you know, we use climate models and we're like, hey, climate models, how much is it going to suck in the future? And they're like, it's going to suck a lot. Stop, you know, emitting greenhouse gases. And that's one use of climate models. But they're actually like amazing research tools. And they let you ask these like crazy questions like, what if we put a bunch of wind turbines in the atmosphere? Um, or, you know, what if there was a volcano in New York City and it erupted? And so you can ask these kind of like super crazy questions, which are, you know, A, really fun. But B, I feel like they tell you kind of interesting, deep things about the way the Earth system works and the way the atmosphere works and the way the oceans work. You know, so I'm, I kind of want to like put in a plug for climate models here because I feel like they, they, they get a bad rap. For more about these crazy airborne wind turbine designs and on the climate models that researchers use to predict what would happen if we abused them, head to gizmodo.com. Meanwhile, In the Future is a podcast from Gizmodo. It's produced by me, Rose Eveleth, with the help of the Gizmodo staff. The intro music is by Asura, and the outro music that you are listening to right now is by Broke for Free. Special thanks this week to Kyla Hale-Stern, Kate Nibbs, Brent Rose, and Alyssa Walker. If you have ideas for possible futures we should be imagining, we would love to hear them. You can put them in the comments, say hi on Twitter, or send us a note at overthinkingit at gizmodo.com. That's all for this future. Come back next week for a new one.